Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Man, hey, can we do this real quick? The band did an awesome job, but we praise Jesus. So can we do both and thank them and praise Jesus at the same time? Man, that was good. Man, I'm excited to be here. My name's Tracy. I'm on staff here. Had the privilege of being able to share with you and kind of closing out at least the fifth week in the series of Revive. Um, But we're also going to have that theme all year round. We need it every single day, right? Amen. Um, But Pastor Bobby has been um, just sharing with us the first four weeks on just a few things. The first week, if I could just recap really quick, is that okay? Um, Is that we were challenged, and Caleb read it just a little bit ago, that we were challenged to be revived by his word. And it said, I lie in the dust. That there are things that we need to dust off in our lives in order to be revived. And that only happens by looking into God's word and by his spirit, he changes us. Week two, we talked about the key components to a revived life. We were challenged to be rebuilt, rooted, right? He, like God is the master builder, and we are challenged to be rooted in Him and built up in Him. And then at the end of it all, we praise Him and we remember that we have gratitude towards all He's done and who He is. And then in the third week, we talked about what it takes to have revival, and that's great faith. And we looked in Matthew and we asked the question, will I keep praying? Will I not stop knocking, seeking, asking, and praying and asking God because there are people in your life and there are things in your life that will discourage you? Amen? But the thing is, our hope is not in those things and our hope is not in people. Our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And so where do we need, the question was, where do we need to learn to focus our eyes on Jesus more instead of everything around us? And then last week, Pastor Bobby talked about how to live a revived life, and he challenged us not to look at our lives in terms of success or failure or or wins or losses, but he challenged us to look at life in terms of the grace that God gives us and to look at life and to be a little bit more humble. And he talked about the fact, if you remember, um, that we sometimes believe our own press, like the highlights, right? But we need to be that person in humility every day, all day, even when nobody's looking. And then what we learned from the Apostle Paul, what he talked about last week, is that when, when what starts as a revival ends up as a revolution, right? And I want to continue in this series today, and I want to talk to you about revival, but how do we keep it? We talk about His Word and getting in His Word, and we talk about the way we look at life, and we talk about all these things, but how do we keep a revived life? How do we keep it going, and what might it look like when that becomes a revolution? So today, I want to open it up with a story, if that's okay. And here's the the truth is, I'm not in that great a shape. I would like to be, so it's not like I don't care. I would like to be, and I just want to kind of be honest and open with you today about some stuff going on in my life. So a long time ago, this started. 
I decided I was getting older. I was playing sports and I was staying in shape by doing all that stuff. And I wanted to stay physically fit, physically, physically, right? And I wanted to stay physically fit. So I decided I'd never joined a gym before. So years and years ago, I decided, man, there's one right up the road. The Y is right here. And I'm going to join the gym. So I joined it, got a family membership. I was like, man, if I'm going to get in shape, my whole family's getting in shape. Not that they weren't. But... So I go to the gym and I'm telling y'all, I'm telling you the truth. I go to the gym. This, I've never really been there. I don't know the electronics on treadmills and all that stuff. I've never really got into it. And I pulled out my phone and, you know, back in those days, you know, we had the plug-in headphones, right? With the cord. Okay. So, yep, I put them in and I had them in and I walked in like this. I had my headphones in. And I'm like looking at everything. So over here, there's like a couple people on the line of treadmills. Right here, there's, there's a couple people on the elliptical. Over here are the dudes lifting weights. Like, I ain't going that far that fast, man. I'm going to look silly if I go over there, right? They're, them dudes are buff. So I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm about to get on this treadmill right here. So I literally get on the treadmill. I try to figure out. The, and, and by the way, I'm worried about what everybody thinks. I'm like, I'm about to look like an idiot in here. Like, cause I don't know how winded I'm about to be. And all that. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm in shape. Well, I'm not you, okay? So I get up to the treadmill. I step on it. I figure out how to, I'm like, I'm just going to start jogging. I'm not going to walk because that'll look silly, right? Like that dude's just walking. He's like whatever years old. So I start some hype music, right, on my, on my phone. I put it down. The cord's hanging like this. The, they're in my ears. I just start jogging. I'm like, oh, man, I got this. I'm jogging, right? They give you a side view. I'm jogging like this, right? And... <laughs> And you know what happens? I kind of like, I don't know what happened exactly, but all I know is my phone fell on the treadmill and shot up under me like this. And my earphones came flying out and went through my legs and my phone's over here like this, right? And I'm like, I got it up and I got a phone call. Like, hello? Because you know, I didn't want to look dumb. I had to play it off. So I'm an important businessman at this point who got a phone call and started walking to the bathroom, right? away from where everybody was looking at me of how silly I just looked. So I walk to the bathroom and I come back and I figure everything's calmed down. I still have time to do something. And I see this lady on an elliptical machine. And I'm like, how hard could that be, right? There's nothing to it. If she can do it, I can do it. So I go over and I get on this machine and literally like three minutes later, I'm winded. I'm like, <gasps> No, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm winded like three minutes in and I get another phone call, right? I'm like, hello? And I'm like, yeah, 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 we'll handle that. I mean, I'm literally making up conversation because people can hear me and they see what I'm doing. This dude got on the, the, the elliptical for three minutes and he's already getting off, right? So I got that phone call, walked around to the bathroom area again, and then I just walked on out of that place. I mean, I was done. That is the extent of my gym membership. I paid for the membership for like a year after that and never went. And you say, that's funny. Well, last year I was like, man, I need to do something. So I decided that I'm going to start doing, I saw this challenge on Instagram or somewhere. I'm going to start doing a hundred pushups a day for 30 days. I'm like, man, I can do that. Nobody's going to be watching me. I'm going to do it in the privacy of my own home. So the first day it took me an hour and I was sore, right? Like, I mean, you do 20 and you're like, I got this. And then you get down and you start doing 20 more and you're on like 12 and you're like, oh my gosh, right? What in the world is happening to my body, right? I thought I was in better shape than this, but I stuck with it. 
And at the end of 30 days, I could do 100 push-ups in less than five minutes. And I was like, wow, progress. And then the doctor said, I want you to have nasal surgery. So I had nasal surgery last year, and I was getting in decent shape, feeling better. And I had nasal surgery, and they said, you can't do this. You can't exercise, and you can't pick up anything over this amount of pounds or whatever. So you can't do it. So here I am. Because I have not gotten back into exercising like I should, right? I even tried to start a couch to 5K not long ago, and I'm just going to be honest and be open with you guys and confess that it's not going that great. (laughs) You're like, what in the world are you sharing all that for anyway? Because you know what? I believe that what has been happening in my physical life happens in our spiritual life all too often. And what I mean by that is we get excited and we, I think we all have a desire to be close to Jesus and not only to be close to him, but to be making a difference in our everyday life, whether we work at a church, whether we work in the professional world, because you're either one of two things. You're either a professional minister or a ministering professional if you're a Christian. You're one or the other. It doesn't matter where you are. God placed you there for a purpose. And there are times when we get, like my physical life, we get in good little routines and we feel like we're making a difference, but something happens in life. Or something happens and we get too busy. Or something happens and we feel like we need a break. And what we do is that we stop spiritually exercising and we no longer are making much of a difference. Now, I think that's me just as much as it is anybody in this room if we're willing sometimes just to be honest about it. And that that, so that happens. And today, what I would like to do is I would like to open up, and you can do that now if you have a Bible or a tablet or a phone or whatever that is. You can open up to John 4. We're going to be in this chapter the entire time. We're going to look at some specific verses in John 4. But before I do that, I'd like to... So we don't have to read like 49,000 verses. I would like to just tell you the really, really brief story in my own words. Is that okay? Just in case you haven't heard it or you need a reminder of it. So there's this woman of Samaria. Jesus and his disciples were traveling. They're hanging out. They're doing some stuff over here. And they're traveling. And the Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria. So Jesus was on a mission, right? And it says he had to go through Samaria. He and his disciples travel to Jacob's well. It's where Jacob's well was built, where Jacob put it. And he's there. And it says in parentheses that the disciples went into the town to buy food and Jesus stayed there alone. Then this woman comes up and to draw water and it's noon, and that's important, and we'll talk about that in a little while, but it's noon, middle of the day. She walks up to get some water and Jesus looks at her and he says, hey, give me a drink of water. Woman, give me a drink of water. And they start this long conversation back and forth. The woman has questions. She's asking Jesus questions and he says, hey, if you take the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. You'll have eternal life. It'll well up in you and you'll have eternal life. And she says, sir, Give me this water so I won't ever have to come back here again. And he gives it to her. And she literally drops everything and runs into the town and she can't help but start telling everybody about Jesus, right? That's the gist of the story. And then it picks back up about the disciples. So in the next few three kind of ideas, I want to give you that we're, if we're going to stay revived, we need to remember these three things. I promise you if we will apply these things and if I 
will apply these things. Not only will you be revived, but I will as well. So what happens is, the first thing I want to share with you is that the disciples, we're going to look at the disciples, we're going to look at Jesus, we're going to look at the people of the town, we're going to look at um, the woman, the Samaritan woman. We don't even know her name, and she made a huge difference. But they were just a little, the disciples were just kind of a little bit off spiritually like I am physically. And if I'm honest, I tend to be a little off spiritually more than I would like to admit. And if we want to keep revival in our hearts, we've got to remember first this idea. In God's kingdom, the spiritual is always more important than the material. In God's kingdom, the spiritual is always more important than the material. If we want to have our revival become a revolution, we've got to pay attention and remember this. I want you to look for me, look with me at the disciples in John 4. First of all, look in verses 7 and 8. Here's what it says. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And you remember a while ago we mentioned this? For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. That's the first idea. The second one is this. John 4.27, we have the whole story in between, right? And then the disciples come back on the scene. Listen to what happened. Just then the disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So basically in their minds, they were judging that Jesus was talking to a woman. They just didn't say anything. How often does that happen? We'll talk about that in a minute. And then John 4, verses 31 to 34, listen to what was happening with the disciples. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus. After everything had happened, the disciples came back from getting food and they urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, and listen very close, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, um, has anybody brought him something to eat? That's kind of funny, right? Like they had just confirmed they were clueless. Jesus said to them, my food, you could replace that with my mission is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Can I just share really briefly of why the spiritual is always more important than the material? Jesus was at the well. The disciples had gone to buy food. The disciples were interested in those moments in a sandwich. And Jesus was interested in a soul. The disciples were interested in going and getting a panini, but the disciples, but Jesus was interested in people. And Jesus looked dead at him and said, my food, my mission over anything else, over food, over anything else, food's not wrong. Material things are not wrong. All of these things are not necessarily wrong, but they're more important. Jesus and people are more important to Jesus than a sandwich or a panini or anything else. And Jesus basically looked at them and said, hey, you're worried about a sandwich, but I'm worried about a soul. And how often sometimes do we miss people because we get too busy, because we need to do this thing or we need to do that. I think we can all relate to this. I would say that most of us want to share Jesus and make a difference for Jesus in other people. I have that desire. I would imagine most of us have that desire in this place. And I would imagine that we want to make a difference, but we get too tired or we get a little off like me physically, right? 
in exercise. As soon as I am not doing it as much, guess what? It's that much harder to get back to doing it. And in my spiritual life, as soon as I start to let go of it just a little bit and not focus on what's important, it becomes harder to get back to what's important. People. And sharing the message of Jesus Christ with people. We exist as a church to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus. And man, how many times I wish I could change a situation that I missed. Let me tell you about one of them real quick, if that's okay. Two weeks ago, my family was out doing stuff, and I was like, this is the perfect opportunity for Tracy to sit down and catch up on Netflix shows. So I sat down on the couch, man, and as soon as I got into watching some TV, the, my door, somebody knocked at my door. And in my head, I was like, that's probably my neighbor. He comes over and knocks on my door sometimes, so that's cool. I'll get up and answer the phone. We'll talk or whatever. And I opened the door. And it's this dude selling security systems. And I, just like the disciples, I didn't say anything out loud, but let me tell you what was going on in my mind, right? I was like, man, I don't need no daggone security system today. I wish you would just leave and let me sit back on the couch and watch Netflix, right? No opportunity, I'm thinking, is, man, I might can share Jesus with this dude. I might can get into a conversation with this guy and make a difference somehow or make him think differently about God or who Jesus is. Not once did that cross my mind, y'all. I invited him in and we talked about sports. Then we talked about security systems. Then we talked about our families. Then we talked about security systems again. Then we talked about sports. And then we talked about security systems again. And you know what never crossed my mouth? What never came out of my mouth? Hey man, you go to church? Hey man, what you think about Jesus? Hey man, what about this? Not once. And when he left, I had been studying this message today. And I got teary-eyed and I got convicted and I was like, Lord, I missed it. I let Netflix and my personal thought patterns get in the way of the biggest mission that I could have ever done right here is be a witness for you. Doesn't that happen? We let life happen and we let our personal things sometimes, I'm not saying it happens all the time, but sometimes we let the material and the physical get in the way of the spiritual And Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, man, y'all are over here trying to get food, but my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's because in God's kingdom, the spiritual is always more important than the material. If we remember this, we will begin to have revival spark in our hearts that is contagious and that begins a revolution. The second idea I want to share with you by just looking at this story in some of these verses is this. Jesus doesn't discriminate and neither should we. Jesus doesn't discriminate and neither should we. We've already mentioned this, but look in John 4, 27. It says, just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? So they walk up with their sandwiches, right? They see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman who Jews did not talk to, who we do not talk to because they're like scum, right? They're like the worst of the worst. It's almost like you don't drive through that neighborhood because if you drive through that kind of a neighborhood, that's when you have to roll your windows up, keep your doors locked and hit the gas because you don't know what's going to happen in that neighborhood but we go to Sherwood. 
Jesus doesn't discriminate and neither should we. Jesus doesn't do that. Look what happens. They're thinking it. They're like, why is he talking with a woman? Why is he doing this? And the whole time, Jesus is just looking at him. He's not worried about that. He's worried about the woman. He loves the woman. And now I want to share something with you that in our culture, may, we may not really get and we may think differently, but in John 4, 21, I want you to see three words. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but he said, woman, believe me. Earlier in other translations, he says, woman, give me a drink. In our culture, we don't understand that. It sounds derogatory. It sounds like he is being a little bit condescending to this woman, but in their culture, this term was a term of endearment, truth, love, grace, and respect in every sense of those words. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was dying on the cross and he looked down at the disciples and he looked at his mother, here's what he said, woman, behold your son and son, behold your mother. He looked at them and he said, with as much love and respect, it's the same exact words as he used with the Samaritan woman. I love you. I respect you. As a matter of fact, I know everything you've ever done and I just told you. I know that you have had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband, but just your live-in boyfriend. I know that you come to the well at noon because you're an outcast in your social circle because all of the other ladies came and hung out and fellowship and had fun with it early in the morning when it wasn't so hot. But because you're an outcast, I know that you came to the well at noon and I didn't go meet those other ladies. I came to meet you. And can I just be personal? First of all, we know Jesus doesn't discriminate, but some of you need to hear it personally this morning. I don't know where you've been. I don't know your story. I don't know how bad it's been or how bad off or what choices you've made, good or bad. I don't know any of it. And that's that, the great thing about it is I don't have to to tell you this because I've experienced it firsthand. Jesus loves you just as much as he loved this woman in the story. And no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think it is or you imagine it could be, it does not stop Jesus' love and respect for you this morning. As a matter of fact, if you want Jesus this morning, you can have eternal life. And all you have to do is ask. He loves you with an unconditional love. No matter what good you do, He doesn't love you anymore. And no matter how much bad you do, He doesn't love you any less. Jesus loves you the same all the time. And if you need a special touch, if you need salvation, if you need eternal life, if you just need forgiveness, Jesus Christ right now, even while I'm speaking, if you ask him, can forgive you and give you eternal life just like he did this woman in the story. Jesus does not discriminate and neither should we. And let's just be honest, we go about our day and maybe we don't say things to people Maybe we don't say a lot of things that we think, but we do think of them. Well, I'm a little bit better than him or her. They're not in my social status. They don't look the same as I do, and they're not the same color as I am. They this or they that. And Jesus said, hey, forget all of that. I love every single person just like I love this woman, and I do not discriminate, and neither should we. Do you think if we literally lived every day like that, it wouldn't start a revival and become a revolution? 
Last thing I want to share with you, I actually want to start it out in the form of a question, and then I want to kind of make the statement. If you know Jesus this morning, the day you got saved, I want you to think about that. What did Jesus give you? What more did you need in order to go to heaven? The day you got saved, what more did you need in order to go to heaven? Nothing, right? The day you got saved, you got heaven and eternal life if you believed in Jesus for salvation. So then why did he leave you here? Why didn't he just take you straight on to heaven so that you could be with him forever and live happily ever after? Because there's a mission. Because he didn't just save you so that you could do nothing. He saved you so that you could spend the rest of your life sharing Jesus. When you got saved, God placed in you a mission far greater than yourself, and that's to share Jesus with other people and to point to Jesus and to make much of him. Let's read in in John 4, verses 13 through 15. It says, Jesus said to the woman, this is the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And then in John 4, 39, just look, let's drop down and look in this one verse. Listen to this. She asked Jesus for salvation. Jesus gives her eternal life. And then it says in 439, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? The woman's testimony. Many people believed in Jesus because this woman got so excited when she had a conversation with Jesus who loved her unconditionally, who showed her love and respect and told her that no matter what she had done, stayed with it and stayed with eye contact with her and said, you can still have eternal life because it's found in me. And he actually looked at her during this conversation. He said, I who speak to you am the Messiah. That no matter where you've been, you can have eternal life. And you know what she did? She received it. She asked for it. She received it. And then she ran home and she sat on the couch next to Tracy and started watching Netflix. The end. Oh, no, man. Tracy's off. And you know, the truth is, in the beginning of the story, this woman was confused. She was asking questions. She was having the conversation. She didn't know where it was headed. She didn't even understand. But when she received eternal life, she got so much joy in her that she dropped, the Bible literally says right here, she dropped everything and she ran into the town and she started telling everybody and anybody that wanted to hear. It didn't matter what they looked like. It didn't matter if they had looked down on her. It didn't matter. She just kept saying, hey, let me go tell you, let me tell you about this man that's told me everything I've ever done. This is the Messiah. This is the one who loved me. This is the one who spent time with me. When everybody else rejected me, this is the one who saved me. It didn't matter what they looked like. And you know what else she didn't do? She didn't get online and try to find a Bible class to take real fast to learn how to share her faith. She didn't go and and say, I want to learn a method of sharing my faith. She didn't enroll in Bible college or theology classes. She didn't do that. She just went and said what she knew to say about Jesus because he had saved her. I just want to encourage you this. Don't ever underestimate the power of a personal testimony, even if you think you don't have all the answers. 
Don't ever underestimate the fact that you have a story even if you don't know everything. You know what I know? I was messed up. And I was 17 years old. And I was at this conference, man, and it was like that dude was speaking straight to me. That's what I know. I realized it was the Holy Spirit. Now, I thought he had like got up in my life and like researched it or something. <laughs> and I ended up before this guy ever said anything about accepting Jesus as your Savior at 17 years old, I got down in my knees on a chair and started bawling and said, Lord, I need you. Everybody else looking at me like I'm dumb. I mean, they're still listening to him preach. And I'm like, no, I can't wait. I can't wait for this dude. I need Jesus. And I got down there and I said, man, I can't do it myself. I can't. I've been trying. I'm messed up. I'm so messed up. And I gave my life to Jesus right there and said, whatever you want, man, I'll do it. And you know what? I haven't done everything he wants, but I'm grateful that I gave my life to him that day and he changed me. She gets saved. She gets a new mission. This mission was way bigger than her. Way bigger than her. And it was pointing people to Jesus. Can I ask you a few questions as we kind of close up today? When's the last time you felt the urge to share Jesus with somebody or just to reach out and care for him in Jesus' name? Wow. When's the last time you were so burdened for somebody to know Jesus that you spent day after day in prayer for them, even if you didn't have a chance to talk to them? Hey, when's the last time you invited somebody to come sit next to you right here so that they could hear the message of Jesus that could change them? It doesn't always end in salvation, but it plants seeds and it makes a difference. When God saved you, if you know Jesus, He placed in you the biggest mission of all, something far beyond who we ever will be. And that's to share the dangerous message of Jesus with everybody around us, no matter where it's at. It could be family. It might be co-workers. It might be friends. But y'all, more than anything else, we need Jesus. And we need to share Jesus. So remember, in God's kingdom, the spiritual is always more important than the material. Jesus never discriminates on who he's going to share with. It's just whoever the Father put in his path that day. We got a huge mission. Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, hey, my food, my mission is to do the work of the Father and accomplish what he asked me to do. That's my purpose. That's my mission. That's your mission as well if you know Jesus. The best way to keep revival is to be obedient to the mission. I'm going to share one last story with you and we'll close up. I'm going to close up in a little bit different way as well, just in a couple minutes. But man, I want to share about a time that I did obey, that I did have an urge, that I did get to share. It was in a previous experience and you know, that's back in the day when we did the visitation thing. I know I'm talking about you get a piece of paper and you go to the person's house and you want to talk to him about Jesus and I was there that particular night and nobody really wanted to go. So I was like, man, I looked at this paper and there was this lady, her name and her address was on it and I could not stop looking at that paper. There were like 20 of them and I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. So I just picked it up and I was like, nobody's going to go. I feel the urge to go, so I'm going to go. I went about a mile up the road and I knocked on this lady's door. I didn't even know what she looked like. Never met her in my life. And I knocked on the door and she came out and I said, ma'am, I'm here and so-and-so, here's who I am, whatever. And I explained who I am and where I was from and all that stuff. And, and I said, ma'am, 
I'm just here to share with you about Jesus. She said, hold on a minute. She came outside and shut the door. She said, walk out in the driveway with me a little bit farther. Her teenagers, her teenage daughters are in the window just laughing at me and like making faces. I don't know what was, it was weird to be honest with you. It was just straight weird. But she pulled me out and she said, why are you here again? And I said, I'm just here to share the love of Jesus with you. She just started bawling. Here's what she said. She said, you've got to be kidding me. I just got off the phone with my mom and I told her bye because I was about to commit suicide. And when I hung up the phone, I prayed and I said, God, I'm giving you one last chance to tell me you love me. And you knocked on my door. Here's a question. I got to share the love of Jesus with her and all that. And God did it. It's nothing about me. I didn't really even want to go, to be honest with you. I just felt like I needed to. Do you know what I learned that day? And every other time I'd done that before that and up to this day, every time I've ever had a chance to share Jesus and done it, I've never, ever regretted it. And I've always given God the glory, but I've gotten all the joy. It is such a joy to be able to share the most important message that's out there these days. You know, we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about what's happening in, you know, different places of the world. We talk about how this, that, or the other. We talk about Omicron, you know, COVID. We talk about all this stuff. I don't know what the disciples were talking about in the village that day, but they had met with people. They had talked with people. I don't know what they were talking about. The news of the day, what was happening. They came back with sandwiches. You know what they didn't talk about? The fact that the Savior of the world was right on their doorstep. And how often I've missed it as well. Want to get revived? Want to stay revived? My food is to do the will of the Father and accomplish what He sent me to do. Share Jesus with other people. No matter what it takes, no matter what they look like, it doesn't matter. And you may not know all the answers, but you can share. As I close, I want to close really briefly with something a little bit different. All of you got these when you came in the door. I want to invite you to um, pull those out. I just want to read a couple of things. And I want to ask you this while you're getting it ready. Do you remember the day you got saved? I shared mine. Do you remember that day that you got saved? The joy, maybe the brokenness, the happiness. What a great day it was. And it sparked something in you that was like, oh man, this is awesome. But what we understood that day, all of us that know Jesus, is that that's the day we, were, we believe that he died on the cross for us in our place because we couldn't do it ourselves. That he was buried and that he rose again on the third day, right? And because of that, today, our salvation should never get old. That we should remember it all the more and when we walk out of here, be revived in our spirits and encouraged to remember what he did and not keep it to ourselves. So I'm just going to read, and I want to encourage you to follow along with me, and we'll be done. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds were healed. This little 
cardboard piece, right? Because all this is is a representation. That's why I can laugh at it. But it represents something way greater than ourselves. The fact that Jesus' body was broken for us in our place. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you died for me. That your body was broken literally for me because I couldn't do it on my own. And you are the Savior of the world. Would y'all remember what he's done and just eat this with me? And then 1 Corinthians 11.25 says, in the same way, he also took the cup. It's the new covenant in my blood. And he told them all to drink it. But he was reminding them once again that his blood was spilled so ours didn't have to be. That we have our salvation based on his body and his blood being broken and poured out for us. Would you drink this with me and remember God, I just want to thank you so much for reminding us today that revival is not just something that gets in us through the Word of God, but it pours out of us because of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And that we share who you are because of what you've done for us in the first place. And we remember that this morning. And we want to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for who you are, what you've done for us. But we also, Lord, ask that you would challenge us as we leave here today, that you would challenge us to not hold it to ourselves, but to share it in some way with somebody, one person this week. Lord, I pray that you help us to do that and help us to see the opportunity and to take it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.